0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us in today's teaching as we continue our study through the book of Revelation. Here is Pastor Greg. Uh, When we come to uh, chapter 12, We're, as I've shared already, we're entering really this middle point of the tribulation period. I titled this morning's message what my Bible gives a heading in, and it's the woman, the child, and the dragon. That's the title of this morning's message. We're only going to cover the first six verses this morning. I've shared in the past that the book of Revelation is really a summary of really what has been already said throughout the whole of the Old Testament. We're just we're getting a summary of it here really. And so to be able to really expand our understanding of the book of Revelation, you really quite often have to go outside of this book and to go into the Old Testament. We Uh, I'd like to just go ahead and read first. Let's read the first six verses of chapter 12, and then I'm going to come back and comment. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great, fiery, red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of the heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. In chapter 11, in, uh, in verse 15... The seventh angel, we read a few weeks back, sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven, we're told. These loud voices, the church and the heavenly hosts that were in heaven there, were praising God for the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he's going to reign forever and ever. That was their praise to God. It's really going to be what we're going to be doing in heaven, praising God because we're there at this time. And what they're praising God is that his kingdom, though it has not yet at that point been established here on earth, they're praising God for what they see coming, that God was going to reign here on earth as king. He was going to take back that throne and sit on David's throne. As we come to chapter 12, we're really still in the vision that John is seeing here in chapter 11. Uh, This vision that he sees is the vision of the temple of God. Remember, there's that temple that has been built or that's in heaven, and John sees inside of the temple, and what he sees there is the Ark of the Covenant inside of this heavenly temple there in heaven. Now this ark that John sees here is also referred to in scripture and known by the Jews as the ark of the testimony. And within inside that ark and what was placed inside of it were the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. There was the jar of manna and Aaron's rod that budded. All of these things that were placed inside of that ark were there as a reminder to Israel of God's faithfulness and the covenants and promises that he made to them. And so as John is sitting there looking at this ark within inside the temple, it was this great reminder of the faithfulness of God. You see, God loves the nation of Israel. And even though they're a nation that has rejected him as Messiah, uh, God remains faithful. God doesn't change his promises. Aren't you glad that God remains faithful even when we're unfaithful to him? by chapter 12 three and a half years of the tribulation period have already passed and now what we're going to see is that from here on out from chapter 12 to the end of the book of Revelation things are going to escalate things are going to get actually more intense that's even hard to believe escalating and more intensity as the days go on. We're going to see that the Antichrist who came on the scene in chapter 6 on that white horse, he came as a man of peace. And the world was looking at him as the man that had the answers. But by this time, the middle of the tribulation period, Persecution against Israel is now going to increase. First it was peace and safety. Now it's persecution in a greater way against God's people. Satan knows that his time is short. He knows he's running out of time. He knows that he's already lost that battle at the cross. And at the tomb when Jesus Christ came out of that grave... But I'll tell you, our enemy, Satan, wants to take down as many people and as many souls as he can before his time runs out. When we get into chapter 13, which will be in a couple of weeks here, we're going to see the culminating of what is referred to in Scripture as the revived Roman Empire. We read about that in Daniel 7. And by the middle of the tribulation period, which we're at right now, there's going to be a one-world government in this world. We won't be here during that time. The church is going to be in heaven. But those earth dwellers, those that are still here on this earth, are going to be in a whole different kind of government. There's going to be a confederacy of ten nations that are going to come under the leadership of the Antichrist. There's also going to be a one-world false religion during this period of time. Uh, It's also going to be instituted by the Antichrist and the false prophet. The beast himself, we're told, is going to be empowered and led by Satan. And he's going to demand that people would worship him as God. There's also going to be a one-world monetary system that's going to be put in place by the Antichrist where he is at this point going to have full control over the buying and selling of goods in this world. All three, really, of these satanic systems that we're going to read about in chapter 13 are going to be set up by the middle of the tribulation period. They're going to be in full swing by this time. So now let's look at verse 1 of chapter 12. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. John starts this chapter with these words. A great sign appeared in heaven. The authorized King James Version if you have that this is how it reads there appeared a great wonder in heaven in verse 3 if you look in your bibles you'll see that there is another sign that appears in heaven in verse 3 when we uh, we're going to see when we get to chapter 15. Of Revelation, John says this Then I saw another sign in heaven uh, And so really the sign that we're seeing here in 12.1 Is really the first of seven signs That are going to be seen in heaven and on earth For the remainder of the tribulation period And we'll see the others as we go along But what is it about this great sign or this great wonder? Well, the word itself in the Greek means a sign, a mark, an indication, or a token. And so really what we're seeing here is that John is seeing this sign, this wonder in heaven, that really is, I believe, a symbol. It's figurative, Uh, John uses this particular Greek word here to describe something that is going to be in the miraculous. It's a sign that is going to point to something that is actually of something that is of deeper spiritual truth. And so as we're reading these things, as we already have, we're reading and going, what does that mean? All of these different symbols. What does this point to? What is John seeing here? Matthew 24, verse 3, when we read this chapter, remember that the disciples that they came to Jesus, and they asked him, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus responded to his disciples by telling them that he himself would be the unmistakable sign that the end of the ages come. That will happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation period. How will you know? You'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds in great glory. We see in the Gospels Jesus using signs to show his divine authority and power. We see in Revelation chapter 16, verse 14, that the demons, that they use signs and will use signs to gather the kings of the earth to that final battle of Armageddon. In Matthew 24, we also read that false teachers and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive many. And the signs that John sees here, I believe, in chapter 12, I believe they're not meant to be taken literally, but they are meant to be taken symbolically or in figurative language, we could say. John calls it a great sign. Let me remind you that I, what I've shared in the past about the book of Revelation is that it's a book that is full of Jewish symbolism. It's full of Jewishness. And so when a Jew reads a lot of what we're reading today, to them it makes real sense when these symbols are brought forth. For us Gentiles, as we read it, we've got to look back and figure out what does he mean by these particular signs or these symbols that are shared here? I've shared with you in the past as we started even the book of Revelation that I believe in a literal translation of the book of Revelation. But whenever it's literal, uh, whenever something seems to be a, a symbol, if it's literal, it's going to tell us right in the text what that symbol means. Like the, the, the candlesticks, there are the, the, the seven churches. We already saw that in the, in the first part of Revelation. But whenever there is a symbol and there's no explanation in the text, then we need to go outside of the text and sometimes and many times to the Old Testament to determine what is being said. And in this particular case, we'll need to do that. Before we get into our text, we need to identify these symbols. Uh, The first symbol that we see in verse 1, look at your Bibles, the first symbol that we see is the woman. We find really throughout the book of Revelation, we find really four women, one of them here in our text, and we see three other women that are mentioned throughout the book of Revelation and I don't want you women to get offended that it's why the women you know what I mean but there's three women that are listed here throughout the book of Revelation one of them is in Revelation 2.20 it's Jezebel of Thyatira who typifies the apostate church sorry ladies (laughs) then we have the woman of Revelation 17, 1, who is said to be the great harlot that rides on the beast. There is actually one woman that is spoken of in Revelation that's good. It's the bride of Christ. She is li- uh, referred to as the bride of Christ. But this woman here in Revelation 12, 1, is different from these other three. Here we see this woman struggling to give birth. And then we read in verse 6 of chapter 12 that she flees from the dragon into the wilderness for three and a half years. For those of you uh, that were... Here, when I went through Matthew chapter 24, which is a significant chapter to understanding end times events, I want to remind you of it. You can turn there if you'd like to Matthew 24, verse 15. This is what we read. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take out, take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath for then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time no nor ever shall be. Speaking of these last days events, some Bible commentators... See this woman in chapter 12 as the church. They say, and the reason why they believe it's a symbol of the church is because this woman here is clothed with the sun. And what they do is they they look at that and they say, well, this seems like the church triumphant in heaven. Here's the church now, the redeemed church triumphant. In other words, they see the church, really, if they take that interpretation as going through the first half of the tribulation period. Thus, you have people that believe in a mid-tribulation period. And then when this chapter 12 comes, they see the church in heaven. I believe that uh, for a number of reasons that that interpretation is inconsistent. With scripture. I believe that the woman here that is spoken of. is also not what the Catholic Church teaches, that this is Mary, whom they refer to as the Queen of Heaven. And many times you'll see, even within a lot of the Catholic uh, things that they print up, they'll have this picture of Mary with this garland of 12 stars over her head, and they believe that this is Mary in Heaven. I have a problem with that because one, we see, and of course, even in Catholic doctrine, they teach that Mary really uh, was not born with a sin nature like you and I. But here we see the woman there with birth pains, struggling in birth pains, which was really a part of the curse, wasn't it, ladies? <laughs> Amber, it's coming. <laughs> but we know that, and that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. As I shared in the beginning of the book, as we started Revelation, that having a correct understanding of God's plan for Israel is of great importance for us as Christians. We need to understand that God has always had a plan for Israel. If someone believes that God is done with Israel, if you believe that God is done with the nation of Israel because of their rejection, then it might make sense to you that these verses are speaking about the church because you've completely taken Israel out of the equation. In this particular uh, verse... John sees this great sign or wonder that appears in heaven. And what he sees is this woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. And on her head, she's got this garland of 12 stars. This is all Jewish symbolism. It's what a Jew would have been able to recognize and understand. John saw this woman clothed. Now this word clothed here, the tense of the word means that what John saw was this woman that having already been clothed, she had already been clothed with the sun, the moon, and the stars, which I see as being a direct correlation going back to the Old Testament now to the book of Genesis chapter 37 verse 9. Now... It's important for us to know, to understand a lot of what we read, and especially when it comes to symbolism, that we have to take it back to the Old Testament. Remember that Joseph had two dreams. The second dream that Joseph had that he shared with his family, we read, then Joseph dreams still another dream, and he told to his brothers and he said look I have dreamed another dream at this time the sun the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me he says that to his family his family his brothers were outraged and wanted to kill him and his father said he kept these things to himself But here he is using the same symbolism here in the book of Genesis. The sun, we know from reading what dream that Joseph had there, we know that the sun was referenced to Joseph's father, Jacob. He was clothed with the sun. We know that the moon was in reference to the mother of Joseph, Rachel. We know that the 12 stars that are listed there in Genesis have reference to the 11 brothers besides Joseph, which makes 12, that made up the 12 tribes of Israel. You see, all three of these symbols that we're seeing here, they're bringing about a sign to John here. John seen this sign in heaven of this woman that had these things that she was clothed in the sun, standing on the moon, this garland of 12 stars around her head. I believe that the clothed and being clothed in the sun that we're reading here in Revelation 12, and standing on the moon, it refers really to the irrevocable, excuse me, say that again, irrevocable promises that God made with Israel. God promised certain promises to his people that he cannot renege on. We read in Psalm 89, verse 35, it says... Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever. And his throne as the sun before me shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky. The faithful witness in the sky is that sun and that moon that is there every single day, isn't it? We read in Jeremiah 31, 35, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who distributes the sea, or excuse me, disturbs the sea and its waves war. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances, those things in the sky, if they depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. As sure as you go out and you look up into the sky every day and you see that sun and you see that moon, At night, in the sky, in the stars that are out there. As sure as you see those things, that's how sure that God is going to be faithful to his promises. He says, if those things are gone, if those things are removed, then my promises are void. But I want to ask you the question, is the sun still there? Is the moon and the stars still in the sky? God will remain faithful to Israel. You can be assured of that. Don't ever think or don't ever let anyone tell you that God has given up on Israel. and That somehow he's not going to fulfill what he promised them. There are some that believe and teach that, you know what, they rejected him as Messiah. They lived in idolatry. They rejected him. They turned away. And because of their rejection... God now has replaced Israel with the church. We're we're Israel now. The church is Israel. And they believe and teach that the church, because of the rejection, replaced Israel. That's called replacement theology, if you ever hear that term. And I reject that teaching. I don't see that in scripture. God is not done with Israel. God has not re, uh, rejected his people because of even their unbelief. God will be faithful to complete his covenants and promises with the nation of Israel. When we read the book of Revelation, we believe that Israel is still in God's plan. That's the only way that the book of Revelation makes sense. As you're reading through these 22 chapters, it only makes sense if you know that God still has a plan for the nation of Israel. If God changed his mind in this, if God lied in some way, he would have to change his very nature and character because God made these promises that he cannot turn back on. You see, as people, we're the ones really that lie, don't we? We're the ones that are unfaithful. We're the ones that break vows. But you know what? Because we've done those things, that's not the nature of our God. Even when they rejected Him, He says, I still remain faithful. He's the faithful one who keeps all of his promises. That's really the reason why, as Christians, why we worship our God. He's faithful. He's going to complete what he started in you. He doesn't start the good work in you and then just give up. He started the work in you the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ. He says, I'm not done with you until the day I come back. Aren't you glad? that God has not given up on you, that he continues to, over and over again, give you second, third, and fourth chances. As we go through this chapter, we can clearly see that these symbols have reference to the nation of Israel. But they extend, really, all the way back to the first book of Genesis, and they stretch all way forward to the end, the last book, the book of Revelation, from beginning to end. I believe really what we're seeing in these first six verses of chapter 12, I'm calling them a historical snapshot. It's not giving us all the details of everything that are in, but here's these symbols that John is seeing and it's taken us back to the book of Genesis it's taken us through if you want to say a mini history really of a battle that has been raging since the book of Genesis all the way to the end and that battle is between Satan and the nation of Israel God's people the woman here, I believe, in our text is Israel. But we have to take that back even to the promised seed of Genesis 3.15. And then we could take and look forward to Isaiah 9.6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And it, it, the promised Messiah that was to come. And then we'd have to even travel a little further forward to the virgin birth. And as Herod commanded that all the the male children were to be killed, trying to stamp out the Messiah, or at least those that were saying that the Messiah was coming. We know that the twelve sons of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. The nation of Israel, which Christ, the Redeemer, would come through that line of people, through the nation of Israel, through God's, these 12 nations, the Redeemer would come. Do you see as you read your Bible that all through every aspect of all this, Satan himself has always trying and has tried to thwart the plans of God. But what we see in chapter 12 here is that God's plan for Israel is a plan of protection for his people. God will be faithful to protect a remnant of his people he is going to save a remnant of Israel we can't forget the prophecy of Daniel nine twenty four. remember we talked about the 70 weeks of Daniel 69 of those weeks have already been fulfilled in history it's already done That leaves one last week, the 70th week of Daniel, that is yet to be fulfilled. That's the seven-year tribulation period. In Isaiah 61, verse 9, we read, and this is speaking about the nation of Israel. It says, their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles. And their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. Speaking about Israel. And I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown, In it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. God has a plan for the nation of Israel, He's already brought them back in their land today. Watch your news. Keep your eyes on the nation of Israel. I don't know if you just recently saw what has transpired there between Hamas and Fatah and Israel and Benjamin Netanyahu basically made the statement just a number of days ago that, you know what, the peace talks are over. Did you see that? The peace talks are over. Why? Because they will not recognize Israel as being a legitimate nation. We will not. And as a matter of fact, Fatah in their declaration of what they believe, they they say that that Israel cannot and will not be a nation. And so Benjamin Netanyahu says it's over. The talks are done. That persecution of the nation of Israel continues. Just keep watching. You saw them wanting to, to register, some group over there wanting to register Jews like they did back in Nazi Germany. Did you hear that on the news? And, you know, they're, they're denying this is over in um, Ukraine. I always get that. Over in the Ukraine there. They're, they're, they're saying we, these leaflets went out and they were asking for the Jews to register. This attack against Israel is spiritual. Never forget that, that we have an enemy that is alive and well, and he's wanting to attack God's people. We also need to identify the woman's child. Look at verse 2. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And and this, I believe, just points to that road of persecution. The pain. uh, The labor pains, as you women know, that have had children here. Uh, This is how John sees it. This woman with child, crying out in labor and pain to give birth. We know that as we look at Israel's history, we can go all the way back to Egypt, can't we? The Pharaoh having his heavy hand upon God's people. And we can take that same persecution and suffering and hardship and pain, so to speak, and it'll take us all the way to the manger, won't it? Even with Herod wanting to destroy all the male child children. Israel has experienced that persecution all the way through their history. It's what I believe verse 2 is telling us here. All the way to the birth of our Messiah. John hears her crying out in labor and in pain to give birth. Don't worry, Amber. (laughs) <laughs> you'll make it verse 5 says the woman gives birth to a male child do you see that in your Bibles notice that it's singular he gives birth to the male child or she gives birth to the male child I see this child here as being Jesus the promised Messiah who would come by a divine birth And how would he come? Through the nation of Israel. The 12 stars that are on her head. The 12 tribes of Israel. The bloodline that ran all the way through, all the way to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Remember, this is a snapshot of symbols of Israel's history and their pain and everything that is leading in to the tribulation period that we're reading of now. Verse 5 tells us a couple other things concerning this child. It says that he will rule all nations with a rod of iron and that this child would be caught up to God in his throne, which I believe speaks of the ascension of Jesus Christ. Lastly, we need to identify the fiery red dragon that we see in verse 3. Look at your Bibles. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. John is seeing really two signs here. Two great signs. One is of the woman, Israel. And the other one is of the great fiery red dragon, which is Satan himself. It's it's speaking of here of this, really this spiritual battle that is going on, really between our enemy, Satan, and Israel, God's people. John sees this other sign in heaven. Notice that both of the signs John has seen, they're both in heaven. Both are being seen as signs, but not in a literal way. They're just signs to John, symbolic, if we could say. But this sign here, this second sign, it appears that it affects John differently. For he starts with the words, behold you see that in your Bible? Behold, as he sees this great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. He says, behold, he sees this other sign in heaven. A great fiery red dragon. We actually find this word dragon or this name for Satan dragon only in the book of Revelation it's only used here and it's used 12 times throughout the book of Revelation like the second horseman of Revelation chapter 6 remember it was the red horse that came onto the scene what did the red horse, the red horse brought war, the red horse brought forth bloodshed and here John is seeing this Sign or this vision of really Satan himself and refers to him as this fiery red dragon that brings forth death and blood. We also see that this dragon had seven heads, which I believe represent seven kingdoms. Now, We might be asking ourselves the question for those of us that have already gone through Daniel chapter 7 or uh, in Daniel chapter 2 uh, about the kingdoms of this world, the historical kingdoms that came. We know that from Daniel's vision that there were really five kingdoms spoken of in that statue that Daniel saw. Four of those kingdoms have already gone by the wayside. The fifth kingdom is going to be future. It is not yet here. It is going to be the revived Roman Empire. So that is speaking really only of five kingdoms. Here's the difference of what John is seeing in Revelation 12 and what Daniel saw in his vision in Daniel chapter 7. It has to do with the starting point of which of what they're seeing here. Daniel's vision started with the children of Israel being taken into captivity by the Babylonians. That was the first of the on the on the image was the Babylonian kingdom. This was the start of what is referred to as the time of the Gentiles as Israel was taken into captivity for those 70 years. But here we see that Daniel's or John's vision has a different starting point. Uh, what What John is seeing here is seven kingdoms. And the seven kingdoms, I believe, can be explained this way. Some people see the first five kingdoms that ruled in the world Uh, Starting on the timeline after Abraham, Abraham being the father of the Hebrew nation, right? And so they make that the starting point, and the first kingdom would have been Egypt. Not the Babylonians, they came after Egypt. The first kingdom would have been Egypt, The next would have been the Assyrian, then the Babylonian, then Persia, and then Greece. And so here we have that list. Others believe, though, that the first kingdom started with Babel. Remember Babel and the Tower of Babel. We read in Genesis chapter 10, verse 8 through 12, about the Tower of Babel. But Babel was a city that was founded really upon a rebellion against God. And I think that this is significant because when we get further into the book of Revelation, we're going to see the significance of Babylon. And the really the prophetical significance of it is going to be seen when we get into the uh, the Babylon the Great, and then the, the the taking down of Babylon. And so I'm kind of leaning towards the interpretation that we start really with Babel for that reason. So if the first kingdom is Babel, then we would put this timeline of kingdoms together like this first it's Babel then it's Egypt or Assyria but it's probably Egypt because they are the the kingdom really that oppressed God's people the greatest then the Babylonians Persia and Greece then we would come to the sixth kingdom, which would be Rome. And Rome was the power, as John was writing this letter, that it was in existence in his day. Remember that John is seeing this vision of this woman, right? And and are seeing these, uh, these seven kingdoms that were there. The seventh kingdom I believe is going to be the revived Roman Empire that is going to come up during the tribulation period. And so there we have the seven. Now, if we want to take this a little bit further, we could go to Revelation chapter 17, and we'll get there. But it speaks really of an eighth and final kingdom. It's really not a new kingdom per se, but what it's going to be is the Antichrist. Out of this seventh kingdom is going to come forth out of that those ten nation that ten nation confederacy. He's going to come out and bring about a final empire under his leadership. The Antichrist. We're also told that the dragon has ten horns in John's vision of what he sees. Now, these ten horns also represent ten kings that are going to emerge from the final kingdom during the tribulation period. Remember we've already learned of that, the 10 kings or the 10 toes on Daniel's image that he saw, that's the revived Roman Empire. These 10 horns are speaking about the same thing, the 10 kings that are gonna be uh, arise during the tribulation. We also read in Revelation 13.1, that the beast, which is the Antichrist, will rise out rise out of the sea and will have seven heads, and it says he will have ten horns. Seven heads and ten horns. We know from Daniel 7.24 that it tells us that the ten horns are the ten kings that will arise from the fourth and final beast. Remember the four beasts spoken of in Daniel 7? The fourth beast is that fourth kingdom that is going to be during the tribulation period, that revived Roman Empire. The beast with the ten horns is going to come out of that Empire. On these seven heads, we're told in our text here that these seven heads had seven diadems, seven crowns that were on the head, is what John sees. Now, this crown or this diadem. It has other references throughout uh, the book of Revelation. We see uh, in Revelation 12, 3, the crowns of, uh, on the seven heads of the a fiery red dragon, the crowns on the ten horns of the beast in Revelation 13, 1. But both Satan here and the beast of Revelation 13, they both have crowns on their heads which I believe speaks something of their claim to royalty, their claim to authority, is really what these diadems speak of. Remember, Satan fell because he wanted to be like what? The most high God. You know, that's never changed. Uh, From the beginning of time, Satan, when he chose to be like the Most High God, was cast out of heaven. He, today, and all the way into the tribulation period, is going to do the same. He wants to impersonate. He wants to to show this world that he's in authority. He's the one to be worshipped. Look at verse 4. It says that his tail drew. That word drew means that it, like dragging or pulling, or, or like catching a fish when you get a fish on the line. That his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Can you just see Satan himself standing there at the manger, standing there just ready, wanting to put a stop to God's redemptive plan, wanting to stop what God is doing through the nation of Israel? We have to, again, go back in the Old Testament. We can go back to the book of Isaiah. We can go back to the book of Ezekiel. And we can see that there was a period in time, and I believe even before the creation of the heavens and the earth, that Satan, who was Lucifer, called Lucifer at the time, one of God's highest chosen angels, chose At that time, because he had choice, he chose to really rebel against God. He wanted to be like the Most High God. And he had enough about him that he was able to convince, we're told, a third of the angels in heaven, they followed after Satan, and they were cast down to earth. You can read about that in Isaiah 14. You can read about it also in Ezekiel chapter 28. Stars in heaven can refer to a number of different things. We can see them referring to good angels in portions of scripture. We can see them referring to human messengers as leaders or pastors within churches. We see that in Revelation chapter 1. We already read in Revelation 9-1 that John saw a star fall from heaven that had the key to the bottomless pit. So stars typically can be messengers, good or bad angels, but in the text here of Revelation 12, these stars that are being thrown down, I believe, are demonic angels, A picture of really going back in history of these demonic angels or these angels that became demonic that followed after Satan. John sees the fiery red dragon standing before the woman, which is Israel, who was ready to give birth to devour the child as soon as she gives birth. So are you getting the picture of what's, what John is seeing here in this vision in heaven of this woman Israel and this red dragon Satan in the battle that has been going on through all really of history in that, this battle that is raging? We know that from Adam to Abraham to the tribe of Judah, to the birth of Jesus Christ, and the slaughter of the male children by King Herod, to the cross, then on to the tomb. It's always been Satan's plan to try and thwart God's plan of redemption, and his plan for the nation of Israel. It's always it's always what he's been trying to do do you think he was probably sitting there just hoping that this child would not be born a miraculous birth he was probably just at the edge of his seat hoping that when they took Jesus Christ off that cross that he would remain in that tomb that he wouldn't rise from the dead but he did And he ascended up into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But you know what? Satan's not giving up. He's going to continue until the very end. We read in verse 5 that she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. John sees that the woman here gives birth to the male child, which I think is clear that we're speaking here of Jesus Christ. We're told that this child was going to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And you can read about that in your Bibles in Psalm uh, 2. It's a messianic Psalm. You can read about God ruling the nations with the rod of iron. Also at Christ's second coming, we read in Revelation 9:15. Now out of the mouth, out of his mouth, speaking of Jesus Christ, goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. There's coming a day, and it will be even in the millennial kingdom, that God is going to rule with a rod of iron. Then we're told that the child was caught up to God into his throne. After Jesus' birth... He went into his ministry, then it came to his death, and then it came to his ascension, and he was caught up to God where he was seated at the right hand of God. You think, man, that's a big gap, isn't it? From his birth to his ascension. Remember, this is a snapshot of history to show an important point, that there is this battle that is raging, and still today, between Satan, that fiery dragon, and Israel, God's people. We read in verse six and we'll close with this. Then the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God and they should feed her there 1,260 days. How long is that? Three and a half years. Three and a half years, so we know we're at the middle of the tribulation period. We know that the Antichrist at this point has already set up his image in the temple. He's demanding that he be worshipped as God. Matthew 24 says that they are to flee to the wilderness for their very lives. The Jews are going to realize at that point that they have been deceived by this false messiah the antichrist they're going to flee to the mountains flee into the wilderness where God's hand of protection is going to be upon the nation of Israel that is all lined out for us right here in revelation the first six verses of revelation chapter 12 really just simply tell us that you know what God has promises and covenants with the nation of Israel that he is going to fulfill And it's important for us to know that and to remember that as we go through the book of Revelation. In verses 1 to 6, the stage has really been set for the rest of this chapter. We'll probably finish the remainder of this chapter next week. We're going to see that Satan is going to then be... There's going to be a war that's going to break out in heaven right at this point. A war in heaven. Uh, You mean Satan and those angels that followed after him and Michael the archangel and all of God's angels in heaven. There's going to be a war that is going to break out in heaven. And it's going to be at that point that Satan is going to be cast down and cast out of heaven never to be able to return again. Don't ask me how the dynamics of that works, of Satan having access, but we know that from the book of Job that he did have access, at least into the very point at which he could communicate with with God there. But here Satan is going to be cast out of heaven, He's going to be cast down to the earth, and we're told that he is going to be infuriated with this. Why? He's been downgraded. He, he once even had access. He probably even liked that feeling. Now he's been cast out of heaven, and he's going to be infuriated with with it, And he's going to go out seeking to destroy God's people Israel. That's when they're going to flee into the wilderness, probably to the rock city of Petra. There's others that have different places, but there's going to be some place that they are going to flee to. And God is going to protect them supernaturally as he did in the past. He will do it again. All we have to do is read our Bibles and look at the nation of Israel. I've brought you back to these chapters before Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. If you read those chapters, you will understand, even in a greater way, the grace and the mercy of our God. That He says, You know what? I'm going to take my people, Israel, even in all the rejection, and I'm going to save a remnant of my people. And I still have a future pa- plan in Revelation chapter 11 for the nation of Israel. Israel I have not given up on them watch your news watch what's going on in this world today and see if you can't pick up on the spiritual significance of what's going on with the nation of Israel in our world today it's what John was seeing when he saw this vision these symbols in heaven of that battle that is still raging today my prayer as we continue through our journey of the book of Revelation is that we're going to become more and more aware of the days that we're living in. That that should stir us. That should give us a reason to be a witness for Jesus Christ. If we say that we believe, then we should respond. And my prayer is that God would fill us afresh today. Fill us with his Holy Spirit. Send us out. As we leave this place, we're going out into the mission field today. Right here in Winston-Salem, wherever you go. And Lord, help me that I might open my mouth for you today. Tomorrow. This week. And that it would be done by the power of your Holy Spirit in my life. Father, we just thank you. That you have shown us, Lord from the beginning, the first book of the Bible, all the way to the last book of the Bible, your plan. You've given us enough that we're not sitting here even today wondering what will the end of all of this be? You've told us, and Lord, it's an awesome plan. Lord, we thank you for your mercy in our life. We thank you for your faithfulness to us, even when we're unfaithful to you. And God, that we would press harder in these last days, that we would uh, seek to live more wholeheartedly for you with all of our heart, not just half of our heart, but all of our heart. Lord, that even this morning, Lord, that you would cause a revival in the hearts of those this morning that need a revival, that need to return to you. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would know that clearly. And Lord, that they might come this morning and say, I need Jesus. And Lord, we know that you're faithful to save those who will call upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com. From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word.